Hey, welcome back to the podcast. This week, we're telling the story of TWA Flight 841, the 1979 version. Thanks for listening. Mariah graciously, <laughs> once again, has allowed me to be late uh, to record. And only it's an hour it. and 45 minutes later than the original time that you had said. But it is worth it. Oh, I know that for, it is worth it for the richness of the story. Yes, we have to do yes. it for the quality, you know, the quality. Yes, I hopefully I hope I, I live up to your expectations. <laughs> but that 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 whole cream, not half and half, you know, no, no, full unpasteurized, full fresh, like like old school milk in a bottle exactly the finest only the finest i hope someday we get to have cows and then we can actually have Ugh. that yeah. i don't drink milk but <laughs> maybe i'll start <laughs> so um we okay so today we are doing twa 841 the 1979 version now okay. very strangely i don't know I don't I honestly don't know because you and I had talked before about how often they will retire flight numbers and there are a very small handful of flight numbers where there's actually something big enough that happened with this flight number um, that will uh, actually and usually you can just say the name of the flight and that's the only flight it can mean. But in this case, there were actually two very hmm. noteworthy. Yeah. F- TWA 841s. We are doing the 1979 one. So. Smoking on planes. 1970. Smoking on planes. On TWA, the luxury. Yeah. Yeah. And we are, so it's April 14th, 1971. So a lovely season. And uh, we are in a 727. A 727 is the DB Cooper plane. (laughs) Um, It's got, it's a tri engine. It's got the engine on the tail like the big top engine so three engines uh very cool planes right they just they are they're cool planes they are um fast and uh like a powerful fast old school plane love it i like it planes with three engines are cool it's a cool number to have yeah just more than two is nice right yeah it it feels comforting yeah, and it looks cool. Sweet. So April 14th, 1979, we're on Trans World Airways Lux on a 727. DB Cooper's favorite plane. We're going from JFK to Minneapolis. Uh, so that is that's a good time. Uh Mini is probably beautiful in April, mm. I would imagine. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. I'm sure. And uh, we've got 89 souls on board, 82 passengers, three pilots, four flight attendants. Again, Lux. You know what I mean? 89 people and four flight attendants is nice. Yeah. Yeah. And we got a flight engineer, which nice. I think is a great luxury that we all should have appreciated more when we had them. <laughs> but, okay, the captain's name is Hoot. Oh, we love it. Hoot. We love Hoot. His Full name is Harvey Gibson, but his Hoot. name is Hoot. His name's Hoot. 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 Okay. And the first officer's name is Scott. 
it's written like J. Scott. So like yeah. J, whatever his first name is, apparently nobody calls him by that. Nobody, that's not his name. His name's <laughs> okay. Scott. 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 And uh, we've got Gary is the flight engineer. Gare Bear <laughs> used to be in the Air Force. Now he's a flight engineer. Love him. Uh, now Hoot, the wonderful Hoot, was uh, used to be a stunt pilot. So that's cool. Like, that's a, a fun time. He's, yeah. like, from, like, a little farm, like, rural oh. rural Illinois. And now, then he was a stunt pilot, and now he's a captain at TWA. That's right. cool. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a cool progression. And, and his name is Hoot. Exactly. It's just, it's a good, I don't know how he got it. I want to know. <laughs> but, uh, so, we're supposed to take off from JFK at 740. But it's JFK and JFK is the worst. So they're 45 <laughs> minutes late uh, because of traffic on the runway, like just taxiing for eternity. Yeah. And they finally actually take off at 825. And by 825, it's dark in April uh, in, in New York. Right. So they take off, you know, watch the sunset on the beautiful <laughs> runway of JFK <laughs> just over the ocean. So, so lovely. I actually, I don't, I've never seen, I don't know if you can see the sunset from the tarmac of JFK. I just have no knowledge of that, but probably yeah. not because the water is probably east not. and the sunset's west, but right. whatevs, it's what fine. Yeah. So they take off into the night sky and uh, they get up, they get cleared to 35,000 feet for their cruising altitude to Minneapolis. It's like a three hour flight. It's mm. no big deal. They're 45 minutes late, but yeah. What are you going to do? It's JFK. So <laughs> Buffalo, I know I say this all the time. The flights between New York City and Buffalo in the summer have a 100% delay rate, at least when I worked there. Yeah. 100% of the time they were delayed in the summer. That's changed the time. Like, yeah. You're wrong. It's a lie <laughs> at that point. Okay, so they're off to Mini. They get up to 35,000 feet, and they're just going to ride that oop, and over to Minneapolis. So mm. they get up there, and as they're flying, so they cross. They're like going up probably right over Buffalo to say hi and to our yeah. parents, I guess. Yeah. And um, <laughs> they are flying and they start to hit this insane headwind. So now they're late and they have a 100 knot headwind. So like 110 miles an hour wind slapping them in the face, Jeez. slowing them down even more. Right. They don't want to deal with that. They're already late. They, now they're going to be even later and use all this fuel and stuff trying to fight the headwind. Right. And so they call uh, Toronto. Apparently Toronto was the nearest uh, air traffic control mm. and was like controlling the airspace they were in. So they call YYZ and they are uh, Toronto and they... Um, ask uh like hey has anybody any pilots said anything about the wind at 31,000 feet or 39,000 feet and the Toronto air traffic controller is like nope we have no it's 1979, right? They don't have, like, satellite data to tell them right. any of that information, right? So has anybody said anything? And they, the uh, Toronto air traffic controller says, nope, no one said anything. And they're like, okay, well, we are getting, like, slapped in the face mm. by a 100, not an hour, uh, headwind. Can we go up to 39,000 feet? And the air traffic controller is like, 
yep go for it okay oh now thirty-nine thousand feet to be clear is fine it's safe like this is a plane that can fly at thirty-nine thousand feet thirty-nine thousand feet also very very high very yeah. thin air right and in that thin air you theoretically can get even you can go faster right like you can really get going because there's less friction from air i guess right so uh they i don't know I don't know. They're having a good time, I guess. They're going to make up the 45 minutes they lost. And they, like, shoot up to 39,000 feet. They, like, rocket up to 39,000 feet at Mach point eight. <laughs> so at, you know, 80 out of 100% of the speed of sound, they just go, whoop, It's like 400 or 590 miles an hour, I guess. Oh, my up to, gosh. Yeah, so fast now a 727 can do that because it's a really cool plane with three engines because it's the coolest it's the 70s what are you gonna, it's the end of the 70s go right. out of the bank right so they like rocket up to thirty nine thousand feet and then they're like this speed awesome my name is hoot let's just stay at this speed <laughs> so they God, just hoot. stay <laughs> they just stay at at like 590 miles an hour at thirty nine thousand feet oh they are gonna God. make up that time that right and again so fast it's so fast <laughs> to get to minneapolis it's not that nice but right. you know it's fine <laughs> whatever so they're like just just going through the sky the max speed like the 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 their limit, the fastest they are allowed to go, is 592 miles an hour, oh. and they're going 590 miles an hour. So they're just like pedal to the metal, like yeah. they're doing it. My but again, word. it's allowed, and they're you know way up high, way up high, and they're they're above the clouds. Uh. It's nighttime. I looked up what phase the moon was in <laughs> on this day, and it was a first quarter moon. Beautiful, Perfect. right? Just the clouds below you. Yeah. Nothing but sky Beautiful. and moon above oh, you. Beautiful. And you're going so fast. Right. So they <laughs> uh, pop it into uh, autopilot in the uh, like altitude hold mode and uh, kick back. Uh, they have a nice dinner because it's TWA. So for some reason, a three-hour flight has an, a full dinner. meal, okay. right? Love it. Love yeah. it, right? So they, they have their little food or whatever. And uh, then as their, like, flight attendant comes and, like, takes all their stuff, the people have all eaten. They're, like, cleaning up the plates and stuff from the passengers. And uh, suddenly they feel this buzz, like not a vibration, but like a buzz, like yeah. your phone on vibrate. I guess it is a vibration, but it's like a bzzz, yeah. like a really, really fast, really small vibration. And that's weird. And they they feel the buzz again. They're above the clouds. So there's no turbulence. There's no nothing. Right. Nothing is happening. And that buzz starts to turn into like a buffeting, like they're swaying a little bit the way like a boat would, you know, mm -hmm. if you're in a little mm -hmm. rowboat and it just kind of. It's just moving, buffeting, right? So that buzz gets into that bigger motion. And uh, the uh, hoot looks at, looks at the controls, right? Trying to figure everything out. And the yoke is turned to the left. The autopilot is mm -hmm. commanding a turn to the left. But he can see on the dial that the plane is banking to the right. Mm, so that good. doesn't make it that's not good so he 
takes the controls, disengages the autopilot, and tries to steady the wings, right? Doesn't know what's going on, but got to get these wings steady. So he tries to steady the wings. And the wings don't steady. And the plane just keeps tilting more and more to the right. So he puts the left ailerons up to steady the wings, right? And the plane just keeps turning, like tilting, 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 tilting more and more and more and more Mm. to the right. And so he puts full rudder. So now he has full left aileron and full rudder to try to steady the wings because the plane just keeps banking more and more and more and more to the right. And nothing happens. And the plane is now like way, way, way banked over to the right. And he yells like, we're going over. And the plane inverts, just (gasps) flips. Who... In action, right? So he, as they invert, he yells, get them up to Scott. And that's get them up is not actually clear. That not, what does that mean? So Scott does not do anything. And so he, Hoot, pulls the air brakes, puts all three engines on idle. (gasps) And so he's trying to like slow the plane down because as they invert, the nose starts to tilt down too. And they're going to start like rocketing toward the ground. So he's trying to slow the plane down as much as he can. And the plane starts to dive upside down, starts to dive. The plane starts to just drop, 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 drop. The altimeter is just spinning it's they're dropping so fast they were already going 590 miles an hour and now they're just falling out of the sky and they're spiraling again this is where like the 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 three-dimensional aspect of this is hard to describe so they're dropping spiraling and spinning so the plane doesn't it doesn't stop the inversion doesn't stop so now it's upside down but the wing keeps it keeps spinning so now they're going up their nose down but the plane is spinning so they're trying everything again hoot has full aileron full rudder trying to just get some control of the plane and nothing is happening the plane is just rolling spinning spiraling going faster and faster and faster and faster goes well beyond the maximum speed they approach the speed of sound they almost break the sound barrier as they're spinning they spin their back where they're technically right side up but again it's all dark outside it's nighttime they're spinning spiraling dropping faster and faster and faster and faster for a full minute for 63 seconds oh my god they fall and fall and spin and spiral and get faster and faster and faster and faster. And they drop, drop, drop more than 590 feet a second or something like that. It's some, they're just like rocketing down toward the earth. And as they're going down, 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 they hoop drops the the landing gear and he drops the landing gear. And as the landing gear goes down, it, creates that weight he like times it so when so it's when they're in that spin they're more right side up drops the landing gear to make more resistance on that part of the plane when he drops the landing gear landing gear it makes this huge bam like an explosion sound this huge horrible sound but there's no time for that they ignore that and they start to they're they're right they're right side up now but still descending they've dropped the landing gear and that's helping them stay right side up five thousand feet above the ground they felt they fell thirty four thousand feet 
he's able to get more control. He starts to like ease the engines forward, puts the speed brakes down and starts to tilt the nose up and the plane overcorrects and the nose points straight up and they can see the moon. And it's the first thing that has like oriented them oh in God. space and they see the moon. And so all three of them start to like coordinate because they can see the moon now and they're able to get the nose of the plane back down and get down, like rev the engines back up so they can start to pull away from the ground have to get they don't know what's gone wrong with their plane so they've got to get more space away from the ground right. if they had been at thirty-five thousand feet they would have crashed 1000 feet they would have crashed they would have crashed if oh they've been at thirty-five thousand feet so they pick the nose of the plane back up and level it back out and they gently slowly start to like find just just they're flying again they're not falling anymore. They're flying again. And the plane is shaking still. It's making this horrible, horrible vibration. And they start to try to reorient themselves. So the air traffic controller, so there's no way they could hear anything the whole time they were flying, falling. Right. They hit six Gs of force oh on their God. body. It is fully miraculous that they didn't pass out that they were able to just lift that who could lift his arm just to drop the gear like Seriously. physically he was a stunt pilot so i'm sure that contributed to it but just the physical force the passengers in the back oh some of them passed out just from your heart not being able to pump blood right. into your brain like the forces on their body but now the plane is shaking and i'm sure they're shaking and they're steady and they they the air traffic controller had actually been calling them frantically okay. this whole time because the air traffic controller, they haven't said anything to him, but he can see their altitude just dropping right. precipitously on his on his screen. And so he, he actually hears from them, which again has to I oh, God bless air traffic controllers, right? Yeah. And they say that they've uh had an uncontrolled dive. Yes. And that Jeez. they declared an emergency and they need to land. And they're actually they're in they're over Michigan and they're close enough to Detroit that they can just make their way over toward Detroit. So they're coming in trying to just the plane is shaking. They don't know if it's going to do that again. They can't like climb. They can't get more space between them and the ground because they need to land but they also don't know if something like that is going to happen again so they like just like limp the plane toward detroit the Gosh. flight attendants in the back are having everybody take off your shoes take off your jewelry take everything off and put in the seat in front of you anything sharp that could pop the pop the slides right and they're he's like going the the flight attendants are like going over all of the different procedures and they're trying to do that i mean the flight attendant I have no idea. I have no idea what any of these people went through. But what the one of the flight attendants, oh, there was an interview with him, and he said that people were silent, that the passengers weren't screaming or crying. They were just dead oh, silent, eerie. just like, right, that eerie feeling. And they, they limp, limp, limp back toward the airport. They can oh. see the airport, and they go, they're trying to slow the plane down, right, for landing, and they deploy the flaps and slats for landing and as soon as they do that they can see that the uh that starts to tilt to the right again and they're like no 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 flats flaps no slats they have lost 
all their hydraulic a lines also so they're like limping back they can't use their flaps and slats as soon as they deployed them the plane started to tilt to the right again and so they retracted them very quickly and they're just barely just limping 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 they're gonna have to land insanely fast because they don't have the use of their flaps and slats they see the runway they put the plane down the the landing gear wasn't damaged from being deployed midair at at almost the speed of sound thank god oh my and god. they rolled that plane to a stop oh and everybody lives. oh nightmare nightmare hoot hoot thank god you're a stunt you pilot it. hoot thank god oh thank my god word. All of them, like all of them, were together. All of them did it. Like, but who, who? Oh, I mean, you can't even see at that level of G-force, right? Like no. your eyes, your blood can't get your your heart can't get blood to your eyes, so you can't see. Like for the for the passengers and maybe for imagine. the other pilots, I don't know, right? Yeah, just the <laughs> it's incomprehensible. I don't mean, I don't mean to laugh because it is scary, but like. Be, being a passenger on that plane to all of a sudden fall and then no. and then shoop down to towards the ground like i i can't even imagine what that would would be like to survive For, something like that they they dove and spun and spiraled <laughs> for, for a, a more yeah 63 right. seconds that is so so long oh my God so long and so they whoo so they're in detroit detroit is not msp but they're all alive and they pull up to the gate and they start and they they stop they turn the engines off and who clears the cvr deletes the Why? recording so this is oh we're sorry sorry <laughs> No, it's okay. It's the controversy. So the reason why I was late today, as I told Mariah, is because of the controversy. Oh, so who no. oops, deletes the CBR. And who? Who? So it's 1979. The NTSB, this, this, at the time that it was released, this was the ended up being the longest NTSB investigation in their history up to that date and it was two years which now I mean we take it for granted they take a long time but yeah so okay so everyone's alive they want to find out what happened and the initial very first fresh off the plane the pilots are just like I don't know what happened and the like they described the events that happened and the fdr so the flight data recorder is intact cvr erased now who is like oh my gosh i'm so sorry i always do that it's just something that i do every time i land and i'm done with the flight i delete the cvr now this was not something that you are there was no rule on this you are neither forbidden nor required to do this and i understand that there's the reason why a pilot can delete the voice recorder in the first place i guess is because theoretically no one should ever 
no one should ever hear that unless something has gone wrong. Right. Obviously, something went really wrong in this case, right? Yeah. That's the reality. But it's his habit. And so, you know, okay. in the initial, yeah. they're like, okay, right. Trauma, so, we get it. Trauma, right. You're just doing something that feels normal. You're just in your habit, right? So investigators get there, look at the plane, right? First thing first. And uh, slat seven is missing. So flaps and slats so i'm gonna say this phrase and maybe it'll make maybe it'll be intuitive and maybe it won't be i'll try to explain it to our dearest darlings um so if you think about a wing and if i say the leading edge and the trailing edge right does that maybe yeah. that makes sense yeah so leading edge is what you might call the front trailing mm-hmm. edge is what you call the back so flaps are on the trailing edge mm-hmm. of the wing and they make wider so that there's more wing so during takeoff and landing you can take off or land uh, at slower speeds mm-hmm. without falling out of the sky slats same thing on the leading edge right so one of the slats was gone on the right side just missing gone not there and so they're like well that shouldn't be so they uh a look for it and actually find it so if if a piece of a plane falls in your yard someone will want that yeah (laughs) like hold on to it (laughs) right someone's gonna need that for whatever's going on but they uh they find the slat boeing is the maker of this aircraft so Mm -hmm. boeing is always like boeing or airbus or or whoever the air the manufacturer of the aircraft will always do their own investigation Mm -hmm. or and that will sometimes coordinate somewhat with the ntsb investigation because they want to know if it's something wrong with their aircraft and they would like to be involved so they see that the slat is missing they find the slat and they're looking at the damage and looking at the whole thing and they think that the only way that could have broken off this way would be if it was extended during the flight now you don't extend the flaps and slats during during at altitude at thirty nine thousand feet going mm. 590 miles an hour right that's just that's not when you do it and, right. and it's dangerous because again the the slats especially are at the front of the wing they're getting like maximum forces from you know, rocketing through the sky in your beautiful 727, right? So the NTSB and Boeing are like, okay, so did it just deploy, like, inadvertently, like, did it just deploy in flight? Did something go wrong with the actuator? Actuator, again, maybe some of you will know exactly what that is, but the actuator just means the the motor that makes it deploy. It's the thing that actually does it. <laughs> yeah. how, yeah. Maybe that's helpful. The yeah. thing that actually does, like, creates the motion, right? Uh-huh. So there, Boeing is like, no way could this slat deploy or any slat deploy in any way other than being deployed by the pilots it's the only way it can happen mm. and they showed their data and they ran tests on it and they they showed that you would need to have 70 g's of force for it to for the actuator to deploy without someone pressing the button right Jeez. for it to be deployed and the ntsb is like 70 g's no way so that so they they start to like follow that idea so if the crew would have to do it why would the crew do that the crew would never 
that makes no sense that's just not it makes no sense at all and they interview other pilots of 727 so they interview the pilots obviously of this flight Gare Bear Hoot and Scott right so they like obviously interview them but they interview other TWA 727 pilots they interview pilots for other uh, airlines like they try to get cast a wide net see what people say and some of the 727 pilots are like so i would never of course i would never but if you wanted to someone could deploy just the flaps because if you have just the flaps deployed you will get You'll be able to go faster and you'll get better, uh, better mileage, better gas mileage. Basically, you'll be more efficient. And the like investigators are like, how, how would you only deploy the flaps and not the slats? And they're like, so if you deploy, if you like hit the button to deploy them, but you flip the breaker off for the slats then just the flaps will deploy so slats are not deployed flaps are deployed and like i would never but i've heard of such things right Right. so that's basically how they all are yeah and now they're like okay so and the ntsb is also not happy that hoot deleted the cvr yeah and I'm going to talk, we're going to, this is a journey, right? So don't make up your mind yet, but I'm just going to say this real quick right now. If you destroy evidence, <laughs> if you do that, yeah. you need to make sure everyone knows how upset you are that the evidence has been destroyed yeah. because it would exonerate you if it hadn't been destroyed. So just as a, just saying it out loud, right? If, if. If you ever happen to destroy yeah. evidence, you need to be very upset about it yeah. and not just like, oops, like you got to be like, oh, horrible. God. Why did I do that? It would have exonerated me. Right. It's very so important. Stupid. So anyway, but yeah. don't don't pass judgment because we're going to keep going. Okay. So no judgment. The NTSB actually. So here's the thing. Initially, who and the rest and Gary and and Scott were like viewed as heroes because oh my gosh yeah i mean they s- unbelievable airmanship right yeah like incredible incredible flying yeah. skills right just unbelievable so then the ntsb had like a hearing where they interviewed them and that was actually televised and i don't know where i have no idea maybe i don't know where i guess (laughs) no it's on youtube yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) but at the time where it was i don't know where i don't know what channels were carrying (laughs) it but like whatever yeah yeah or like local i don't know but the ntsb and like in that all three pilots were very much like we did not do that it just deployed and like all three pilots were like no we did not do that i would never do that yeah. no and also they they like who elaborated on the fact that again just it's just his habit that if that 
under normal circumstances, there is no reason for that CVR to exist. And if nothing has gone wrong, I delete it just for privacy functionally. Right. And he just did it. It's just his habit and it just happened. And so he, and I will say, like, I was on a plane that was insanely delayed one time. I was on the plane while I was working at the airport. I wasn't going to actually be flying the plane. I had just gone down to the plane because the plane, the flight was delayed and I wanted to hide from the passengers for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I just went to the plane to, like, hang out for a couple minutes with, like, the pilots and the crews. And I don't, I guess we were kind of, like, complaining about Delta. And maybe I said something particularly oh, bad about Delta. And the pilot, one of the pilots was like oop the cvr is definitely on right now (laughs) and i was just like i don't know whatever whatever face i made he was just like no 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 he's like listen the only way anyone listens to it is if something goes wrong and then they don't care because something has gone wrong right right? (laughs) but but i get it right i get I get just being like if if day to day today there was like a recording of me doing my job yeah and it wasn't important for anything you could get Mm. into that habit not but not mm, but this was not a normal day so exactly and they're being directly accused of doing it themselves so here's the other piece of it though if they had done that that still doesn't actually explain what went wrong because if you extend the flaps without the slats that actually should not result in anything catastrophic it should result in you going faster and making better gas mileage right Right. so the ntsb is like questioning all of them together questioning them individually questioning them on tv questioning them in you know in person or whatever like one-on-one and they basically craft this idea of what they think happened and what they decided they thought happened was that Gare Bear, Gary the flight engineer, finished his dinner and went to the bathroom, like got up and went to the bathroom or whatever. Yeah. And while he was out of the cockpit, that Hoot and Scott, uh, maybe Hoot had been, again, He's obviously an amazing pilot. Yeah. Obviously. An incredible I mean, pilot. He saved everyone's life. He saved everyone's lives. He undeniably like, saved everyone's lives. Yeah. And when the NTSB decided they thought what they thought that what had happened was he who had said, I'm gonna show you something cool, like let's make up some of the time from the delay. And he said, you know, and he popped the like popped the circuit for the slats and deployed the flaps and that scott is a first officer and that you especially in you know especially in 1979 especially with again by all accounts an amazing pilot you just you wouldn't scold him you'd be like cool yeah let's go faster yeah and that then when gary came back sits down in front of his panel flight engineer sees that one of the circuits is flipped off and just pops it back in because one of the circuits is off and he's the flight engineer. And so he boops it back in. And then when things started to go wrong, like that things went wrong really quickly, that the slat had had gotten broken off by the forces, that it had been deployed, it had mm. gotten broken off by the forces. And the NTSB, that was basically the scenario. Now there's no, that specific 
series of events is is kind of historical fiction right like nobody right. in the cockpit said that was what happened and they don't have the cvr they don't have the cockpit voice recorder so Ugh, that's rough ugh, right and so that is what they think happened so two years after the uh flight after the not crash they uh came out with a report and i'm actually gonna read some parts of it so uh the safety board determined that the probable cause of the accident was the isolation of the no i'm not gonna read all this too long i'm gonna read this instead this is the part so they basically said we think that they uh they did it and then they saved the day that's basically what they said Interesting. They, that's and they did also there's a, this is part of the report that i am going to read we believe the captain's erasure of the CVR is a factor we cannot ignore and cannot sanction, although we recognize that habits can cause actions not desired or intended by the actor. We have difficulty ex accepting the fact that the captain's putative habit of routinely erasing the CVR after each flight was not restrainable after a flight in which disaster was only narrowly avoided. Our skepticism persists, even though the CVR would not have contained any contemporaneous information about the events that immediately preceded the loss of control, because we believe it was probably that the 25 minutes or more of recording, which preceded the landing at Detroit, could not have provided clues about causal factors, but might have served to refresh the flight crew's memories about the matter. So what they're basically saying is that, oh, so at that time, the CVR was only, it was 25 minutes. That's yeah. all it was very short it was a very short recording tape because it's a literal tape right yeah um and so by the time they were actually on the ground and it was deleted it didn't actually include it wouldn't have included the beginning like when things first started to go wrong but would have included their conversations and might have included something that would have refreshed their memory yeah <laughs> so again if Ooh. so Yikes. that's the ntsb the three pilots have never ever said that's what happened yeah and the faa who issues pilots licenses and twa neither of them took any kind of action against any of the pilots really so they kept flying for twa now who kept flying kept being a captain for twa and he now has this reputation for mm. basically being like a cowboy you know what i mean yeah. he has a reputation for being clearly excellent but not safe and to the point that one time he was ready to take off and the flight attendants uh decided that they would not fly with him oh and he had God. to taxi back to the gate <gasps> and swap out for new new flight attendants he had people like his reputation was just trash wow. he got developed a stomach ulcer and <laughs> took off he had leave for three full years Jeez. not not like he didn't quit and he wasn't fired leave yeah. for three years because of a horrible stomach ulcer Jeez. 
but came back to work right and actually got upgraded to the 747 so again my hero like these are sweet planes but like he he finally retired he got he took early retirement in 1990 and then immediately the um the airline pilots association the biggest pilots union in the world love them we love unions they uh had collected information and he who had hired a lawyer to help collect information because he wanted to appeal the ntsb this is 11 years so it happened in 1979 in 1990 he his lawyer and the airline pilots association his union had all like collected data to appeal the ntsb and the evidence they have is kind of crazy there was a pilot named pt williams uh and he said he wrote an affidavit for this appeal that said that he had taken that same aircraft the same plane two years prior in 1977 he had been the test pilot running tests on that aircraft with his supervisors, like telling him to do different things to test the aircraft and to test his skill. And what they had been testing was overriding the autopilot. And he had he had, had the autopilot on, was commanded to override the autopilot, meaning like grabbing the, the yoke and, and making such a large maneuver yeah. with the yoke that it that the autopilot's like, whoa, you're doing something. I'll get out of here and turn off and that the light that the the panel had indicated that the autopilot was turned off but it hadn't fully disengaged and it made the plane extremely difficult to control and that they had like barely made it back to the runway so the same aircraft had had a problem years prior where the autopilot said it was disconnected when it was overridden but didn't actually disconnect all the way or disengage all the way and so they put all of that information they like that affidavit and ntsb was like no and then there were there have been two books written by different two different people about this whole story and the books are scapegoat and crisis in the cockpit and oh both of God. the the premise of both of those books is that they didn't do it basically that that's not what happened in this case and uh the emer- yeah the um emergency crisis in the cockpit is by stanley stewart and he said that that there were other incidences with 727s where there were uncommanded slat extensions and that the the crew would not have like done this basically that a plane is not that stable at 39,000 feet he just doesn't think the crew would have done that yeah. and the scapegoat that book written by I don't want to not give people credit for their work written by Emilio Corsetti the 3rd that's a name, name. 
like who we got names galore <laughs> in this one but uh hit the premise of both of these books is that the fundamental thing that boeing insisted insisted that there was no way that the slats could have extended or deployed without being commanded to by the pilots there were like seven or eight incidences with 727s where something went wrong with the slats and in some cases it was just like unexplained or in some case and again these had smaller investigations because they were you know incidents where people didn't die but they had either been like i don't know why that happened or they had said again that the pilots must have done it inadvertently or accidentally and so i don't know I find it very believable that a former test pilot in 1979 who was delayed and it's a beautiful night and there's the moon out and you might just do this trick to make the plane go faster. Very believable. It's also very believable to me that planes break sometimes, that the slats might have deployed inadvertently, like might have uncommanded may have deployed without being commanded to right that they might have just it might have flipped up and broken off and caused all of this so i don't know i don't know what do you think i mean they were going like so if the play if it if the the slats make it go faster or the the flaps the flaps okay the flaps are yeah you put the flaps Flaps are in the back slats are in the front okay do you put the flaps up Mm mm-hmm and is does that increase the max speed of the airplane do you think or is it like the airplane can only go 500 and whatever it was miles the per max hour. speed is about the um the maximum speed is about the like literal physical ability of the plane to like stay in one piece okay so the max you. speed is about like safety in that way so right i was th- but go on yeah i think yeah so, like because i'm just thinking he was still within that like proper uh speed right like he wasn't going too yeah. fast right and would right. he really need the flaps to do that probably not right 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 that the flaps can like also increase the um the fuel economy of it and i like went back and forth on this a lot because yeah yeah, 1979 april 14th so this is during like the iran crisis right so gas is expensive but pilots don't pay for gas and i don't know if they would care i just have no idea right like, I don't know if they would, would that matter to them? Right. Like, they're not, they're not, it doesn't have any effect on them. I don't have, I don't, right. I've never, I did not read that TWA put them under pressure to. Yeah, be faster. Yeah, or keep the fuel right. use down. I don't know. I have no reason to think that. I can imagine maybe you might, as a personal challenge do that i don't know but that right, right. but I, if i understand what you're saying like what's the right like motivation? What's there, right what is there to gain you're already going that fast right i mean i don't know he did it pretty quickly but it's it's got three engines i mean it can do that right like yeah it's fast it's fast a fast plane. it's a fast plane yeah 
I don't know. It's like a, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel bad for the crew just in general because what a horrific thing to go through. Right. Like, I don't, it would be very difficult for me to actually believe that Hoot or anybody else in the cockpit would have decided to make the plane do that. No, like, exactly. I, right. I just can't, right. you know, I don't, and I don't know what the point would be, like, to be the hero, but it, you're risking so much. Like, the risk is oh, way yeah, too high. Oh, yeah, there's no, there's no way that they did all of this on purpose, no. right? Like, it was something, right, for sure. And it's kind of, it's a little bit, like, what is the movie with Denzel Washington? <laughs> You know the movie I'm talking about? Um, oh, some... no, the plane, the aviation movie with Denzel Washington. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> Not just any movie. Sorry. Um, the Flight, Fly. Yeah, Flight or something. Something, whatever. Whatever that movie is. Yeah. Um, people will, like, compare that that movie to, like, the Alaska Airlines flight that we haven't done that we will do someday, but it makes me really, really sad. Mm, um, the okay. People compare it to that one because it, in, there was an inversion. Um, but this seems way more likely to be the inspiration for that yeah. story, right? And I've, did you watch that movie? No. Oh, okay. Sorry. None of this is going to make sense. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe for our listeners, it will make sense. But yeah. I, and I yeah, don't know. That's but okay. but that idea that um, the idea that they were. I don't know. I just think that I find these both to be very believable situations. I find both of these to be very believable. Yeah. I think it is yeah, very exactly. believable that the, that something that the slats were whack on these planes yeah. and it just it flipped up. And I find it believable that that you might just do something fun or, you know, just try to whatever, yeah. you know, you're just doing something for kicks or to show it to the guy sitting next to you, right, you know, right. and to like show off a little bit. And I find it believable that if a flight engineer got up and went to the bathroom and then came back in and saw that a circuit had blown, you'd just pop the circuit back in. Totally. Right? Totally. Like I, these are both very believable and there is just no question that that once things went wrong, it is amazing. Yeah. Like, who did an amazing, amazing job of, like, saving, literally saving everyone's lives. Yeah. I mean. No, I mean, uh, yeah, it's. Yeah. I think, too, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I just don't know if it would really be, like, worth it to them in that scenario i just i'm trying to like right. think of if if it would really be right and like i i don't know maybe and, they and did know maybe they did it and that's why like he deleted the you know thing and he was like telling right. them all about how if you put the flaps up you know you can go faster or whatever right and i what stood up to me is like the um like they're so there is like the full range of like the way people feel about this or what people think or or imagine happened right because there's people writing entire books about how these guys are heroes and they were like wrongly maligned and then at the other end there's people who again like so the the 
there's a very real question. These men are all retired. You know what I mean? Like they're retired and nothing can happen to them. Right. So they could just say like, yeah, this is what happened. Yeah, we did it. Right. Like they could, yeah, they could do that. Um, but they, at least who has done like quite the opposite. Like he's really like tried to really tried to rehabilitate his, his image. And maybe that's also part of the reason why. And I've seen people say like, maybe they like, like why wouldn't Gary, like the flight engineer who in every theory of this had, had no part in it, except in the worst case scenario, might have inadvert like done the correct thing without knowing what they were doing and and caused the initial problem yeah. right but no matter what he's innocent so why wouldn't he say something right. and people will say like oh well you know if he initially thought it was his fault and so they all agreed on their story and then stuck to it and by the time he realized it wasn't his fault he had already lied or you know like but that's really again it is it's not that it's implausible it's just that it is yeah historical fiction like it is just it's and they didn't change their story at all throughout this whole time right like they didn't not anything that i've seen and again i the i did not do enough research to write two books and i did not read the books (laughs) because I don't know if they're available on Audible. <laughs> so the yeah. um but that whole I just find both of these very believable. So I don't know. And I think that it, the thing with situations like that when both situations are believable I guess people will go different ways on this, but to me it's like I don't know. That's what I so the NTSB fully blamed them. And TWA and the FAA did not fire them or reprimand them or anything. And that, to me, seems like, I mean, I know it was like a better time for unions in general, but still, like, it seems like if you had an NTSB report saying it's your fault, you did it, but you also saved the day in, like, miraculous, incredible, yeah, I don't know. Right. I don't know. I don't know, man. But, and he just he continued to fly and he didn't have any other incidents did he mm-mm. nope no other incidents he he got upgraded he yeah. w- when just, he retired he was a 747 pilot so literally the best plane in the world working. i mean even if he did yeah. pick it up accidentally because he's obviously an amazing pilot right, right? like right. even if you did make a really bad mistake that got put made your probably like the the scariest uh, what could be scarier what moment of your life could ever be scarier literally that moment right and there was an an uh interview in the chicago tribune maybe that i read and it was it was a like archived um article from 1990 after he had retired and filed the appeal Mm. and it's 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 very short it's like they just got like called him and got a comment on it or whatever and he said he said it you know i really try not to think about it but the context that he said that in was the way 
his reputation was affected was like not yeah. that it was like the scariest thing that could ever happen to a person right yeah. it's literally that he was just i mean it would be so embarrassing if you were a pilot and you are clearly an amazing pilot and you did save everybody's lives including your own yeah. and then you know the flight attendants don't want to fly with you because they think that you're a cowboy who might risk their lives right. unnecessarily and I also can imagine how you could be freaked out if you're yeah flight attendants are going to talk to other pilots and you know they're all gonna there's gonna be like office gossip you know yeah, so totally. I also don't know if other pilots were like yeah who does that he does I've flown with him and he does that I don't know right I don't know right I don't know and I mean it it was you know the 80s so it was still like kind of quiet with stuff like that at work you know yeah for sure for sure Oof. yeah i know for hoot <sighs> yeah i think that everybody lived and that's yeah, wonderful everyone lived and it is the f i'm pretty sure either at the time or to this day it's the farthest a plane has ever oh my God. fallen without crashing Maybe at that time. In the beginning of believable. the story, at the beginning of the story, I was like, they are not about, like, they are not about to fall from this higher altitude. <laughs> like, oh. we're, this is going to be a crash landing one. Nope. They nope. fell straight down. Fell. God. Straight down. Spinning and Horrible. spiraling and your body weighing. Your body, like, at 60s, your body weighs six times. Jeez your weight that's what it means like it's literally like you physically are now like i am now like an elephant or whatever you know what i mean just like yeah. your physical form is is and again just your i i guess i can't i don't know it, it makes me think about like the hypoxia story with like the helios flight or anything where like your physical body has has limits no matter how good you are, no matter how how amazing your skills are, yeah. you just have physical limitations as a human being. Right. And it's just incredible that they were able to really that who was able to do this, because really, yeah, he is the one who like if you I, I, again, just like going right back to the beginning when he knew they were going to flip and couldn't stop it he like pulled the engines back to idle because otherwise you are literally as you're diving your your engines are making you dive even faster yeah. you know what i mean so like the presence of mind right. and the like brilliance of how he handled this and then you know dropping the gear even just the the altimeter as it's going down yeah. is spinning so fast because they're diving so fast that you can't read it. So you're having to try to mentally keep track yeah. of how close to the ground you are. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that he, so, he had the mental capacity to think, let alone just his heart pumping blood throughout his body. Like, it's amazing. Right. Right. And yeah, so no matter what. <laughs> started this it's yeah. it's amazing do you remember i don't know if you ever um rode this ride uh like at 
you know, like an amusement park or a fair or whatever, but it's the one that you stand up in like this metal cage. Oh, and only it whips one time. you around. Yeah. And it yes. by gravity is how the kids don't die and fall off. Yes. It's like very unsafe. Do you like that one? Oh, I used to love it. I used to love it. Oh, I haven't been it. on one in a long time. But it, the danger. It, like that alone erases your brain. And I get it, like, you know, you're a kid right. or whatever, but like that's what I don't know, a tenth of a G, how fast that's going. Like I have no, you right. know, like I have no right. idea. I can't right. imagine no, yeah. all of that at once. Like were the flight attendants standing up? Were they okay? That's just it. One of the flight attendants, there was a, um, like an interview with him and he didn't comment on being, on like falling yeah. or like having to crawl oh around in circles. So I guess he must've gotten to his seat when he felt they were like flipping. But again, they're, 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 they're spinning and spiraling right. and diving and just, oh my gosh, it's just insane. I can't imagine that. Right. And like the, the aerodynamics of a plane are such that like you don't dive straight straight down you're there's like that angle so that when you the like spinning is not even ugh, i don't know that's what creates like the spiral right so it's ugh, just in, yeah i don't know i think i've said this story on this before but like the centrifugal force that like keeps you safe on rides mm-hmm. but also sometimes yeah your blood gets like spun to the wrong part of your body <laughs> yeah. and pass out or whatever i was so scared the first time i went on like a ride that flips upside down because you mm. just think you're gonna fall out yeah obviously yeah. and i think i've said this before but like the you know child operator of the ride <laughs> you know 12 years old or whatever he i was really scared and the seat next to me was empty and I was like freaking out and I was like, I want to get off. And he was just like, he took a quarter out of his pocket and put it into the seat next to me. And he's like, look, that quarter will not fall. And my child brain <laughs> thought there's no way this guy would waste a quarter. <laughs> so like no one would just throw a quarter away. Right. So I guess it's safe. And then rode the ride and I could like hear the quarter rattling the whole time. Yeah. And it was still there when we stopped. And yeah. then I was just like, okay, that's his 25 great. cent investment yes. paid off. But that's so what a cute. nice it's so nice that he was you know probably literally 14 years old right. i don't know why why it is that children are always the operators of a very dangerous things yeah. it seems yeah i don't know what the what is up with that but whatever if you were if you were a child operator of a roller coaster i want to hear your story yeah truly i think i did have friends siobhan if you're listening to this i think that you worked at Darien Lake, I think, right? Ooh. I think so. I want to hear more about that. But and if you worked at a Dearest Darling Friends in general, I those are the stories. Yeah, please. If this was a better show, we would <laughs> tell those stories. <laughs> but about roller coasters and theme oh parks and stuff. Action Park, you've seen that, or you haven't? Oh yeah, Defunct oh, Land, yeah. my favorite channel. HBO it's also the best has. Channel. Oh yes, Defunct <sighs> Land. Yes. So good on but YouTube. But does HBO, HBO has, have a... Uh, yeah, a documentary about Action Park. <gasps> oh, It's so good. Yeah, I want to watch that. It's so good. Yeah, It's insane. I, I mean, it's that. insane. That was... And that was the time period we're talking about, so... Exactly, yeah. If you yeah. have not heard about Action Park, there's a great video on YouTube from Defunct Land, and they cover it. 
but the yeah. HBO documentary is like an hour and a half long, and they uh, they really yeah. dive into the <laughs> the craziness yeah. of it. It's really. I good. mean, it had to be a good time, but oh my gosh, danger! Yeah, and like drunk children, drunk children, just drunk fourteen year olds everywhere. Yeah, yeah, on a highway, just like so. <laughs> like it's europe or something like no thank you (laughs) but but oh your moon fact yes my moon fact yes i want to hear it yes all right i have two one's kind of silly but i have to i have to um i came upon this fact actually because uh i was there was something about the moon that recently happened and i'm totally blanking on that but that led me to this fact Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. which is how the moon was created so there are four different theories on how Mm. the moon was created according Mm -hmm. to nasa and the one that i like the most uh so we're gonna go with that one if you want to read the other three (laughs) please Mm -hmm. do so they're interesting uh (laughs) but according to nasa um Mm -hmm. and me of course uh the Mm -hmm. moon um was basically created because a giant like mass in space collided with earth and from like the dust particles and like the other debris and stuff that you know it basically kind of like took a chunk out of of earth and a bunch of little different particles and then they solidified like over 100 million years or whatever they solidified and created what the moon is and mm. now the moon's just rocking with us you know yeah and is it that's that is the is leading it like theory theia? theia or whatever like the like a planet like ran into earth yeah yes exactly and that's yeah and that's i just love that the, the, the moon is, is part of us you know yeah it's like, it's it is like a part buddy. of us yeah yeah i mean it is our little yeah. buddy like we we can live here because of the moon essentially right so very essential yeah but it's i mean also called the moon this was the other fact it's called the moon because uh like we didn't know other moons existed um so now it's it's like it's a moon but it's it's the moon in like languages yeah (laughs) right just like there's no sailor earth there's just sailor moon exactly the moon (laughs) yeah the moon right yeah you know the one we're talking about exactly we're not talking about any other moon we're talking about the moon no we're gonna talk about (laughs) little i used to know the name of some moons what are jupiter's moons they have some cool ones i i Uh, don't know oh yeah callisto Mm, that's a good one anonke all right whatever it's so many moons wow literally so many moons so many moons. jupiter and we're our moon is the the moon is the fifth biggest moon lots of facts today guys i've i really went hard on on the moon the moon is the fifth biggest moon of all moons in our solar system yeah yeah wonderful yeah beautiful did you watch Taylor moon as a kid nah no i did not I, I liked the other moon, yeah. but I also felt, I don't know if it's a, if it's the doves that were available <laughs> or if it is how Sailor Moon actually is, yeah. but like as a child, I was just like the, 
very the bad guys in Sailor Moon are like very naked like very <laughs> scantily clad yeah and like as a child i was just like this is very i don't think i should watch this yeah. i don't know yeah. i don't i don't think you couldn't put your finger then, on it but there was something <laughs> right right i was like a you know like five-year-old i was just like something about this yeah seems and like there's a lot of like gender bendy stuff yeah. that in sailor bone that again baby casey was just like i don't understand the show <laughs> i don't know what's happening right right but yeah no yeah but i, was, I did i was forced to watch like dragon ball z oh we don't feel the same way about dragon ball z we don't. it's okay though no it was just because i was no, forced to okay. so i you know right one of those things i think that i as a full-blown like i love dragon ball z and i everyone who doesn't like it is right <laughs> like your your complaints are correct but i really like it yeah and yeah i, mean, I would yeah. say that's that's yeah we're all individuals yeah the the way the thing that blew my mind as like a preteen or whatever watching dragon ball z was the way that trunks was different in like the different timelines where he was raised by Bulma and Vegeta or just Bulma and how his like he was different uh -huh. based on whether or not he had his dad's influence and I'm gonna leave this in <laughs> just in case anyone wants to comment yes. but and that's not I'm not saying that to torture you Mariah I'm saying that for the, the sake of of the whoever's still with us at this point so many controversies but, this episode this is a controversial episode. episode. A controversial oh, episode. Well, you just picked your favorite theory and just I did. threw all the other moon Literally did. To the side. I was like, I love that. I love the moon yes. part of us. I'm ending the controversy. I am ending it. But, I mean, NASA and, agrees with me. Yeah. But also, NASA, if we can't trust NASA, I don't know what's up. I just, you know. We can't or if we can't? If we can't. Like, oh, if right. we if cannot we trust NASA, I just don't. It's just I just you know, yeah. Why can't we? I'm, uh, Brian's been wanting to rewatch October Sky, oh, and I want to rewatch October. That's such a good you, movie. You we, uh, and uh, guys, I bet you out there listening to this, when I said that, had the thought, "Oh my gosh, I should rewatch October Sky." <laughs> so yes. we should all watch we it. Should. But for like four years, Brian and I have been like, we should totally watch that. Uh, and not watched it. Uh, I watched that in astronomy so, class in 11th grade. Oh yeah. 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 So good. So good. That movie gave me like, left me with the wrong impression of how people felt about <laughs> Sputnik being up there. <laughs> Cause like in Fair. the movie, like he's just like the wonder of space and yeah. science and like, oh my gosh. But people, Americans apparently that was not the general vibe right. of Sputnik. Right. <laughs> like yeah. look at this marvel of space like not not how people felt yeah across the board I guess in America so yeah what are you gonna do right um yeah and uh so we're off the rails we and are off the rails I'm pretty sure <laughs> I'm pretty sure Hoot is still alive I did not find really? anything saying he had died I was gonna ask but then I was like no way I think so. So but I guess so. Yeah. Seventy-nine. Yeah, he would like be nineties. Maybe in his eighties. Yeah. So I think he's still alive. He did not ever 
he he did another appeal uh to the like a federal level appeal of the NTSB hmm. that was thrown out because basically the the NTSB doesn't have they're not you can't do that right <laughs> like they don't it's have not like how, an appeals like, process it, they don't have an appeals process that goes through like the it's an internal process right. there's no external force right. that can tell them they're wrong in that way right. so um or the a, a federal court can't do that so um yeah i don't know i don't know controversial episode yeah. but it is uncontroversial that who is a really amazing pilot yeah whether he's a cowboy or yeah. not who knows yeah. but and he's he an amazing pilot saved a bunch of people including himself he did including himself yeah good job hoot Whew. yeah damn damn i love you mariah i love you too casey we, we love all of you we sure do we sure do you've all been so nice and messaging us and all this stuff yeah it's been really somebody cool. gave us a new review on apple amazing thank you yeah thank you very much friends truly so it's a yeah. it's a really good time Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Pod Crashed. We so hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us for any reason, you can email us at thepodcrashed at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, we love you to death and we love hearing from you, particularly if you have a correction or, you know, if you uh, have just an opinion on this particularly controversial episode. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.